You passed your luck check. It's the No Class Podcast. With your host, Stephen Surratt. And Matt Robertson. If you follow the Goodman Games Twitch <laughs> Facebook posts, that amused me. We are so famous and beloved that they confuse us. But actually, I can't blame because Matt Robertson does everything. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was probably the best show they've ever hosted. It probably. It, people are like, those guys are awesome, you know. So we did our Twitch show, I want to say last night, but no, it was the night before that. It, just it feels was like Tuesday. It. This is Thursday. Yeah. Um, did anything exciting happen? We were supposed to have Ron as our special guest, but he couldn't make it. Ron he had to make a run to the airport. Make a run for the border. So he wisely evaded us. Smart. The next... Uh, episode of the Twitch show will have our good buddy John Watson. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had an interesting idea that that one if that will be our seventh one. Who was on our seventh podcast? James Ward. So you want to have James Ward on there? Well, for the seventh one. So you want to have James Ward on the seventh Twitch? Yeah. How are you going to accomplish that? You'll have to talk to him. Do I have to talk to him? Yep. Never mind then. Forget it. Sometimes things are just too much trouble. It's just it, that, that that's too much of an ask. So did you have anything exciting to say about the Twitch show? Um, if you haven't heard it yet, go listen to it. Um, if nothing else, just hit play, you know. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Let your friends out just play it for a few seconds so we get that hit. Because we want to, you know, our numbers, get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. And it will not give you COVID to listen to it. That's uh, the one safe way to be around. Ironically that. enough, yeah. One safe way. All right. We have to talk about the long con. Yeah, I but think it's in our contract, isn't it? What is left to say? It's right around the corner. It's less than a month away. Today, and you probably won't hear this podcast today, but yeah. today is the last day for hotel rooms. Last day for hotel rooms. We still have rooms in the at block. The rate. At this rate. It's a phenomenal rate, and that rate's going to go away. Um, and I, a part of me, I wanted to rant today about some people that we've had to deal with lately that this is their con. This is their con. Uh-oh. And they can't be troubled to come. But, oh, well. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. We were Name names. No, gosh, no. But it's just aggravating, you know, to me that there are people that literally it's like, hey, you know that game you love? You know the guy who wrote oh, yeah, the game? Okay. And, like, you, and we've got literally two or three of those people that, like, that are like, I'm not coming. Or, you know, well, I might come. Dude, we paid good money for people to put them up in a room, feed them, wipe their butt, get someone to touch their pee-pee, you know, and they're coming to your neck of the woods. We got we got this done for you. We accomplished it. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a little aggravated about that, you know. Okay. Let me loop back to the Twitch show real quick before yeah. we get yell at more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug, if you're hearing the old podcast, we did read your latest letter we on did. the Twitch show. Thank you, Doug. Thank you. We appreciate it. We did poop on Watsy a little bit more. Yeah, thank but you. But we do it gently when yeah. we're on the Goodman Games toilet. Gently poop. Just just a little bit of feces. But corn. thank you again, and check yeah. that out if you're wondering what happened to that letter if we never responded. You, we did. It's on the Twitch show. You're thank my you. hero, Doug. Well, here's something that kind of leads into what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Me and Matt have spent almost all this day together running around, so we mm-hmm. went out and ate, and we went over and visited our buddies at Geek World because it's yeah. been a while. We love Mark. He's, he's salt of the earth. Just and that's about a 45-minute to an hour drive for us. Yeah. So there and some food and back. So we've been yeah. hanging out. And one of the things that I was talking about was all the people that have drifted away. Mm-hmm. It's not like people come to the con one time and we never see them again, but yeah. some of the stalwarts, the people that really just – helped put it on their back and go, yeah. I'm going to run a game in every slot. Yeah. I mean, to this day, Robert O and James uh, Ward, are, I have such a, uh, I, I'm thankful to them. In the early days when we were just trying to get this thing up and running, they came out, they showed out, they ran games, and we didn't even have to ask. And those guys, and we were like, dude, play some games. No, I'll run in every slot, you know. And, I mean, they didn't have to do that, but we really have so much uh, admiration, respect, love for those guys. Yeah. So we miss you, and we miss yeah. all those people that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, we miss Robert. We don't see Robert, and I'm so tickled that James has come back in the fold lately. And even if you don't come to the con, we've got our club. Yeah. And it's just talking, thinking about the people that used to come out and play the game club with us and how valuable it is that we've had the game club mm-hmm. because we've never been hurting for players. And we've the met— club 
some, is the feeder system or whatever yeah, you want to say. We, we've met some really and had the opportunity to game with some great people. We were talking about Nick today, our buddy Nick, who's just such a great guy. And uh, uh, Caleb and Laurelin, we missed them. You know, they were such an integral part of the club for so long. So we miss all those folks, you know. Yeah, the just how some people seem to drift away. Yeah, yeah. And we get new people in because, like, Ron and Doug and Nicole, we would have never met them yeah, without yeah. the club, probably. No, you're right. You're and right. it's odd how you can be in these same circles. Like, I live one house over and I play D&D, but I'm never going to meet you because our paths don't cross. Like, we just went by the new um, electronic gaming area store thing, PVE. And uh, the guy there was like, you're the long con guys. And we were looking around like, wait, what? You know, like, all right, someone just tell me about you guys. It helps that we freaking dress in all long con clothes <laughs> yeah. with our long con underwear. Right, right. And, you know. Um, yeah. But speaking of the PVE, that's going to be opening next, next Saturday. Saturday. Wow, yeah. So hopefully we'll post up some details about that. But mm-hmm. that looks like it, it will be a ton of fun. Looks really neat. Really if, neat. If you're into the tabletop card gaming, mm-hmm. they should have you covered. Mm-hmm. Or even like a tabletop, you know, like war gaming. The guy's going to have that stuff eventually. But if you like your e-gaming and your video games, which we do very much, mm-hmm. that looks crazy good. He's going to have two VR things set up. He's going to have a VR racing simulator he's got uh two ps5s hooked up to great big tvs he's got all the cool computers land together i think he said 20 of them yeah and then he's got an actual arcade room with old style arcade machines really neat we really were blown away and the guy was super 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 nice just we were trying to peek in the window and they ushered us in and hey look around guys even though they were busy working and cleaning and And they gave us customized card mats yeah yeah, so I was like super nice. Yeah. Super nice people. I definitely thought throw them a bone. Check them out. So I may be up there at some point helping them in the video game stuff, losing in tournaments. And my birthday's coming soon. I might rent out the uh, arcade room for my birthday. Woo-hoo, but you know. they seemed super nice. Yeah. I told them it would be cool to get the friendly local game store going. What? Shade Throne. Tee Suck it. Um, but I do wonder... It's been a freaking, there is a, one of the Game of Thrones books where it's like a clash of kings. Uh This is going to be a clash of game stores because it's like there's so many of them and they're Uh kind of in the void Mm -hmm. where I bet Fire and Dice Mm -hmm. didn't know these guys were opening. They didn't know Fire and And Dice was was opening. opening down the road. We've got uh, Arch Collectibles, which I don't think anybody knew they were opening. I have to wonder if Fire and Dice thought, well, maybe we'll get some bleed over from Treeport and maybe we'll get some Longview. Nah, you probably won't get Longview if people know about this place. So you better hope there's enough business in Marshall, Texas. Well, Shreveport. Yeah. But then Shreveport, Bush, as big as it is, it doesn't have something like this already. No. Did you want to tell that story? Well, maybe not, right? Maybe not. Yeah. But But all luck to those guys. Like I said, very ambitious. All the luck to all of them. Because, you know, here's the thing is that, again, why I get pissed off is we support gaming in our community. We're glad for people that are opening stores and taking that chance and rolling the bones. And we love people that encourage and endorse gaming in the East Texas area. Those of you who are so-called gamers and do a lot of things that seem like make you a little more than the average Joe in gaming, you, you need to do your part to step up and promote gaming and those and gaming centric things in your community aren't you glad to have those things here don't you want to promote that you know yeah amazon doesn't care if you have a game shop exactly amazon can save you dollars but once your game shop is gone where are you going to play yeah online and people don't get that and when you play online you don't own anything yeah and you look at something like playing warhammer until they come up with some really sexy digital table and start charging you for each little digital miniature or something like that and you pay for paint schemes i mean you need a table to play you definitely need a game store promote your local game store if you're going to do some people will just go to their own back wherever they have a gaming table but it's fun to do it at a a game store there's just something to be said for that that atmosphere well that's the thing and i know we don't have any youngsters listening to this show but if you know some youngsters ask them or watch are they playing strictly online do they i mean because i mean Obviously, they probably like it more than us old timers. Mm-hmm. But then again, on the flip side, you've probably got a bunch of old timers that are like, I don't want to leave the house anymore. Yeah. Oh, COVID. Anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know. know. How do we reach these kids? Yeah. Are the kids into the digital thing? Yeah. Or are they 
like now I prefer to go to the game shop too because that's where you meet all the honeys. I was going to say that's how that's you, what Doug told me. You, you game think, shop honeys. That's right. Yeah, you find the best one and get mm-hmm. married. And but that's one of those things to where I think of the friendships that have grown out of cons and game stores and interactions. If There's, it wasn't for the friendly local game store, I wouldn't know Matt. Yeah, and and like I said, me and Gary, we were our our parents partied together for a while. But in but if it had been for D and D, we would have drifted away and, and probably wouldn't be long friends. We've been well. That's the thing is like we played D and D together and we're best friends, and then we stopped playing D and D together, and we're not even acquaintances now. Cody, on the <laughs> computer center, centralized my computer. Money and bags. I miss you, baby. Miss you, baby. Anyway. Um, but he's still coming to the con, so he's yeah, still in the cool little right. list of cool people. You know it, you know it. But it is one of those things like, are we friends or are we RPG and friends? We talked about for, for years on this podcast. There's people that I thought the years like, we're bosom pals. And then one day they just disappear and, you know, they, they don't keep in contact. They don't call. They don't send postcards. Or your example yeah. where it's like, let's let's all go watch a movie. What? what? I'm not doing anything with you yeah. other than this. Yeah. Anything beyond that? No. Be- beyond killing goblins and orcs together. Screw off, guy. Screw off, man. Anyway, yeah. So, oh well. Oh, it is what it is. Um, and then again, the, t- the time was more acclimated people or what am I saying? Socially adept adept people maybe are getting into gaming but i think part of that was back in the day the people that you gamed with were like who are you hang out away from yeah yeah dungeons and dragons yeah it's like okay come on guy gal anyway enough about that all right all right this is where we would hit the pop culture stuff if you're ready for it are you ready to move into pop culture stuff let's do it all right this is where you get books and comic books and i'm trying to do you guys a favor so i really don't have that much um not reading anything right now. Um, and as far as comic books, good news. Dark Horse. Good news, everyone. Yeah, is doing an omnibus of Fofford and the Gray Mauser. It'll be out June of 2023. Fritz Lieber was a master of sword and sorcery writing. These were the characters that he created and popularized through numerous books, appendix in type books. I would encourage you, you can sometimes find them online or at older bookstores if you can find them because it's getting harder and harder, but pretty inexpensive. And they're just really uh, great books. And so what luck that some very talented writers and artists uh partnered with Dark Horse to do some comic books. So they're doing an omnibus where they've gathered them all up in one big um, omnibus. And anyway, and one of those things that I like, uh, the guy that does Hellboy, Mike Magnolia or whatever, he's one of the guys involved with that. So when I say, I mean, talented people. And so I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm thinking about doing a pre-order on it so I don't forget. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And nearly my, hey, this guy's really more the comic guy, but I love Fafford and Gray Mauser. And I like Dark Horse of the Years has given us some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, it's a good brand. Is that it for your books? Books and comic books. Good, because I came up with one. Since you said uh, Dark Horse, uh-huh. they also do some Bloodborne comics from oh. the uh, video game. Oh, wow, cool. I read a couple of issues of, I think it's Lady of the Torches, and I was not impressed so maybe some of the other ones are okay, but as somebody that really wanted to dig into this and love it, eh, it was okay. Mm. And also, Matt turned me on to a Vampire Hunter D Humble Bundle. Yeah, yeah. So you can, dig, well, I think it was like 23 different novels you can get for maybe yeah. 15 bucks yeah, I mean, digitally. I knew, I knew you're that guy, and I was looking out for you, and I saw I said, hey, I'll send him a link. Yeah, know? and I probably own at least 10 of them as the hard copy. So I am that guy that actually goes beyond the animes and, uh, manga. But if you've listened to this and, and felt through the, the, the wire, you know, Feel Eddie, my passion, Eddie's passion for it. This is, I don't know, but there's a bundle out there. Look for it. I wish I could give you an address or something, but yeah, just go do that. Google box, Google box, the humble bundle vampire D and it, yeah. So it's and out there. I guess have you have your multiple RPG worlds, Mm-hmm. One of mine is kind of based off of the Vampire Hunter D where mm-hmm. vampires are the ultimate it. Like they're slapping dragons around. Wow. And they're the most powerful thing that there are. Wow. So, and then there's some guy that has the nerve to go hunt them. Yep. yep. And think your party could be doing that. 
Yeah, that's kind. Of, well, I one time I had thought about a, the, a themed world where kind of the, the the darkness is encroaching and people live in these little enclaves, but trying to press back the darkness. But and in the undead are like just everywhere, and the big bads were going to be yeah vampires and liches and shit like that. Anyway, cool idea. Hmm. Anyway, TV, TV, TV. No TV for me because I've been super busy lately, and I try to make time. How you doing, Heather? Yeah, I tried to uh, make time for movies for once. So. All right, run down those movies. All right, so recently Heather and I watched The Mist from 2007 with Thomas Jane, which you might know him uh, from The Punisher. The Punisher, and he did some rom-com movie with um, What's-Her-Face a long time ago. Anyway. He did a few episodes of Arrested Development. That's true. So I just want my kids back. Yeah, Frank Darabont. Who who did who was the guy you who do, you'll clean it up? He spearheaded The Walking Dead, which that's quite an interesting story there. That he he brought it to AMC, it went gangbusters, and they immediately fired him after one season. You, know, you gotta love that. Um, so anyway, he he was involved with it, and in fact, if you watch this, you'll if you've ever watched The Walking Dead, you'll recognize people in this movie that he turned around and used in The Walking Dead as some of the primary characters. So obviously these were actors that he liked their work or something. Um, if you watch this, look for the fire engine that says Caddo Parish on it near the beginning of the movie. When it goes by real mm. fast, I didn't spot it, but Heather Eagle Eye, she goes, oh, look, it says Caddo Parish on it. Because I had told her, I said, I've always wanted to watch this because it was filmed in Vivian, Louisiana. And where is it set? It's set in Maine, of course, because this is... Uh, uh, Caddo Parish, Maine, yeah, so where I, they don't have parishes. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, the, 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 the fire engine goes by really fast. A typical movie watcher wouldn't see it. But Heather, man, she was eagle-eyed. She caught that, and I laughed. So, yeah, be ready to pause it when the fire engine goes by. It says Caddo Parish on it. Also, they're selling Zap chips. And I don't know if those are nationwide, but those I are... I don't think so. Yeah, they're made in, in, they're made in Louisiana, like Germaine Parish or something. Which is, there's some sort of... Like uh, they have voodoo chips, chips that are up there that would be, those would be the chips that you should have like, in it if you like, want to have that northwestern right. sort of. So it's just funny that, but the things people, I spotted that one, like while they're walking to the store having some dramatic scene, I see them walk past a bag of Zaps chips because I love them voodoo chips. And uh, so it's just kind of funny. It's like, I was like, are Zaps in Maine? But anyway, there's little things in it to give away that it's being filmed in, you know, Vivian, Louisiana. Um, anyway, it has kind of a poopy ending, but I like the movie. Uh, it's not exactly what King wrote, but it's based on King's novella that he used to have those books that were popping in the 80s that were all these little you know, short stories he had done. And I remember reading this as a kid, and it's got kind of a happy-go-lucky ending in the book, which is unusual for King. He actually, Darabont told him about this ending and, and King signed off on it. In fact, he said he liked that ending better. And for him, I think, you know, I talked this, like he felt this was his way of like sticking it to Hollywood. Like it was not the usual thing. So stick it to the man, stick it to the man. But I was going to say overall, I enjoyed the movie. Um, part of it for me, I've always wanted to see it was because it was filmed just down the road from where I grew up. Um, anyway, let us know what you think and let us know what you think about the ending. You know, um, then the last night we watched Phantasm from 1979. Wow. Yeah. That um if you guys have a ball? I say good one. If you're looking for horror that's got balls, it's found you. You know. There you ha, go. Ha. But there were do you know there were four sequels? I can believe it. I yeah, know there yeah. were multiple sequels. Though. Yeah, I was like, wow. I did not know that. I mean, I, I knew there was a second one because the tagline back in the day was, the ball is back. You know, Does the went, old man make it through all of the sequels? I don't know about that, but I know like the, the tall man was yeah, back yeah. for the second one because I remember on, the, like, cause on TV, it was like, it was him going, the ball is back, you know. But it's kind of a surreal sci-fi horror, and I'll let you know it's included with Roku. So if you have Roku, it's free. Watch it for the for you know, for the Halloween. Yes, it's. I don't want to disparage it. There are no, back in the day, it was totally panned by critics and other people, but it's over through the years gained a cult following, and now a number of like Billy Bob from here in Texas, that, Thornton. That, no, Billy Bob. What's his name that does? Uh, like the trailer park movie review. I mean, he's kind of famous. He oh. was on some show for a while, Billy Bob something. He's, he puts it like in his top 20 all-time horror movies. And there's some people that definitely the horror genre, they put it up there. Um, I'll say that like, it's funny seeing the bell bottoms and the hairstyles and some of the storylines makes no, well, what's funny was 
people talk about how there's parts of it that make it even more odd. Not, I won't say disjointed, but just odd in, in how the story flows. Well, yeah, it's because the guy had to heavily, heavily edit it. And there's stories I'll let you look into. About, some people like these little anecdotes. The guy would rent the filming equipment on Fridays and to bring it back Monday because they only got like charged for one day or something. So I mean, this guy was like on a shoestring budget. Like this was made on three hundred thousand dollars from like him and friends and family and people that wanted to help out with money. And a lot of the actors, which if you see them, you'll go, "Oh, I recognize maybe one or two that were in things later." That kind of reminds me of the opposite of Manos' Hands of Fate. Yeah. Because if I remember that story correctly, he went out and bought all the equipment because he was some rich well-to-do guy uh-huh. and they're like nobody buys the equipment everybody just rents it but yeah. he ran out and bought it so to just jack up the price of that movie that yeah. made no money but yeah. please continue that's fine but what's interesting was for the three hundred thousand, which is a lot in 1979 thank god for this guy because that was a gamble ended up making 22 million worldwide in Jeez. 1979 it made i think 15 million in the u.s and canada and then it made the other what seven million like worldwide distribution? So I mean, say what you will. It, 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 but you know, for its time, it, this was a it's a pretty scary movie. I remember watching it. And me and Heather were kind of like me. I mean, you know, it's yeah, but kind of like me in the tales of terror. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like Where the part like that's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. But I have I had missed. It's like I've seen this before, but it's been thirty something years. So she was like, "You've seen this?" And I said, "Yeah." But like when he chops the fing- fingers off, I was like, "Oh, I forgot about that." And then I won't spoil it for you. But like when the ball catches a guy and what it does to him, I was like, "Oh, I remember this part." It's, so it's got a little gore, but the blood is so fake looking. I work in healthcare. <laughs> Your knowledge may vary, but for someone who sees blood every day, all day long, I'm like, "That's some fake looking blood." But it's it's got a little gore. It's it's got some interesting concepts, some sci-fi stuff. Seriously, I, if you've never seen it, check it out and let me know what you let us know what you think. And then finally, uh, the other night I watched Chud, cannibalistic Pardon? humanoid yeah. underground mm-hmm. dwellers. Uh, 1984. Daniel Stern is in one of the main characters. He was uh, the Wet Bandits. He was the taller guy with the curly hair. You've seen him in a million movies. And interesting enough, this was way back then, John Goodman's in it for all of about 30 seconds. I mean, I don't think he's even credited in in this. And he later became a chud, so. <laughs> right? Um, so I'll say I like the way a police fan drives into an open manhole and literally goes supernova. It just like it detonates like there was a bomb in it for one wheel going off into a manhole. And uh, I thought like cars would be blowing up all day long in Louisiana if driving into a pothole. There would be no cars. <laughs> exactly. They would all have, you know. There would bl- be no roads. Yeah, just yeah. Be, yeah, you just explosions nonstop. Um, I had never seen it before. And I'll let you know it's it's free with Prime. Um, that's just prime that's right that's right but so yeah because uh and hey bravo to you um uh, kirby is you know i see you've been watching like a different horror movie every night of october i'm not saying that was my plan no i don't have the the time for that but i had watched creep show one and two recently I, i have sort of a subconscious holiday thing when October rolls around I might catch myself watching probably everybody again. does yeah so anyway but definitely he inspired me to watch more of these crappy old um like I'd seen Phantasm before but I'd never seen The Mist or Chud and what and me and Heather started watching uh Fright Century. Night last night she oh. said she said she'd never seen it and I was like what so we started watching it on what peep pop peep pop peep pop uh on Peacock oh yeah she must have Peacock. She does. And yeah. But I tell you what, Shudder is doing, as usual, you can get a one-week free trial of Shudder, and there's like a thing on there, like the 100 best moments from horror movies and other things. So uh, check it out, man. Shudder. So what movie were you watching? Fright Night. Pretty cool, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me evil. You know, dinner is in the yeah. oven. Yeah, no. So, like you said, a lot of quotable lines from that. And that guy, he was in a number of movies around that time. Don't know what happened to him, but he was kind of a niche. I mean, you know, he was either the weird little dude in that. He was the weird little dude in this. But I think he outgrew the weird little dude thing or something. Okay, dun, dun, dun. So here's a movie that I broke down and watched. Ah. So I'd have something to talk about for okay. Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. Heckraiser, if you're on Heck the Goodman Razor. Games Network. Oh but my. here, uh-huh. fucking Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> the show or the movie? The movie. Ah, the original. 
No, the new one. The there's new a one. new. There's a new movie. Hellraiser movie. And then there's, I thought, a new show. I don't, I don't know, know anything about that. Was, was this a, a lady Hellraiser? Yes. Okay. Pinhead. Pinhead. Oh, pin, so Pinhead is uh, suddenly a woman. Yes. Awesome. Well, I think this is a reboot. They're not like, where'd your penis go? <laughs> I can manifest as a man or a woman. You know. So I think it's a reboot. But did you watch the Hellraiser movies back in the day? Are you a fan of the Hellraiser franchise? I wasn't a fan, but Tim, God, back in the day, he lo- like he was that kid that had a subscription to Fangor magazine or whatever. He loved those. And on a goof, I watched, because, you know, VCR rentals on a Friday when you were that. Because around the day, teenagers were like, hey, man, what do you want to do? Let's go to the video store and rent something creepy or scary and popcorn or Did whatever. he watch it in the thunder and heat till it rocked him back in his seat? I don't know. Hellraiser, and I'll cast a spell on you. Yeah. That was the hardest part of watching the movie was having that song go through your head the whole Hellraiser. time. Hellraiser. But uh, anywho, uh, yeah, I did watch the original. I don't think I ever watched any of the. So you've seen the original and that's it. That's it. Where the guy's like, and Jesus wept and he's ripped apart. Hmm. So yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the Hellraiser franchise Me either. either. No. The only one I think I've seen is the second one, which huh. is probably what most people have seen. Hellbound really? Hellraiser. Really? Why, why Hellraiser the second Hellraiser? one more than the first one? You got more yeah, publicity so. and whatever. Yeah, okay. That was just peak time, kind of like mm-hmm. everybody played Mega Man 2. Yeah. It's like, well, what about one and three? Well, uh-huh. there was just that bubble there were like the most popular interesting so anyway that's my humble opinion on that i could definitely be wrong and maybe kirby be the one so what did you think about the new one it was okay now hellraiser i've always thought was just super gory yeah man like i said that guy gets ripped apart in the first one with these like piano wires and right as he does he, he and goes you see a lot of it yeah yeah in this one, I didn't think it was nearly as gory, huh. but I'm not a fan of gore. Well, I'm not either. So, I mean, that's if that that's a selling point. Like, I've never seen the Saw movies. I have. And are those real gory? Sort of, but here's where I completely contradict myself is I like the Saw movies. Wow. And, I, and trust me, I've been intrigued. I've always wanted to check them out, but I've never got off my can to do it. But I always assumed they were. And I don't know. I work in health and see real blood every Where it's day. it's like torture porn. But it, yeah, but it's kind of like, yeah, I don't. The idea of someone being tortured, I doesn't. Yeah, you know. And For that one, I don't know if there's enough of the psychological thing to it since it's all traps. Uh-huh. I was like, this guy would be a fantastic GM. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, I'm good with the Saw movies, but I'm not the guy that's like, oh, the bloodier, the better. And you know, it's funny, in my early days of game mastering, I use a lot of traps. Like, I've got away from that because I think a lot of players are like, okay, you're overdoing the traps here, bub. Yeah. You know, yeah. But Hellraiser, and I think it's Hulu's Hellraiser. Yeah. I that's think what they I th- financed it and everything. So that might have toned some of the gore down. I'm uh, not like, you're not going to see anything. Yeah. But for me, Hellraiser was a franchise. That was just freaking throw blood everywhere, super gory. And could it be that maybe, no, we've got, what is it, immured to it over years, so. and we just, it seems like, oh, this is now, it might be just as gory, but we've become immured because of TV standards and movies or something. Or if know. it was like, okay, uh, in the new Hellraiser, they get hit with the chains mm-hmm. and the hooks. Mm-hmm. In the old Hellraiser, that had been like a 30 second scene to a minute whereas this it's more like a 10 or 15 uh, where it's like okay i can see where this is going and scene let's cut away yeah, which yeah. i was saying is kind of like uh how i want my sex scenes in D D, <laughs> where it's like you go in the room and shut the door and i'm not going to role play that with you yeah we we know what's happening and that's the end of that yeah so it was fine for me and probably mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that a little bit more because mm, really? i don't need to see all the gore right that's not, you know, like, you know, oh boy, look at those bones fly. Yeah. It does. Look yeah. at that viscera. When know, it comes you know. to horror movies, I'm more of the psychological horror. Yeah. Like there's something in the dark and not like, look at all this blood we threw on screen. Yeah. That's just me. So Hellraiser was all right. It was two hours, mm-hmm. which probably for your typical horror movie, I'm like, you got 89 minutes. Yeah, get, Let's get, go in and do it. As I say, give me like an hour and a half and I'm good. Yeah. But just as like, I haven't watched all of the 
Friday the 13th movies. I've seen one or two. I haven't watched mm-hmm. all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I've seen one or two. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I, I saw the first two uh, Nightmares on Elm Street. Like, I'm good. What's funny was, I think of how old I was when the Scream movie came out. I was kind of past all that, but the girl I was dating was like, I want to go see that. And I said, well, let me jump scares and she'll be in my arms. Yeah, I'll go see it. And I remember I kind of enjoyed that because like, I was like, well, I think I drew Barrymore, you know, and they had... Um, What's her name? I think before Friends or was she on Friends at the time? I don't know. It might have been around the same or thing. The same like time. it hadn't really kicked off yeah. where she was a big star yet. Yeah. And but it, I've probably seen all of the Scream movies. Interestingly so. enough. But when I heard it was like Wes Craven, I was like, oh, well. I've seen yeah. most of the Saw movies. Yeah. And, I, and not that I'm opposed. I, I want to check those out. I just have never quite got around to it. But I might have to break down and watch the Saw movies. But I'll give the new Hellraiser a solid B. Okay. Some of the creatures aren't as scary as they used to be, or you just don't see them as much. You're like, this movie is very dark, which mm-hmm. a bunch of modern shows have now. And uh, you know, it's funny. I was on Reddit that someone was complaining about what is it with all these dark shit movies. You can't see anything. You know. Yeah. So I know you've were, complained about all the dark. They were talking about they've changed up the way that they shoot that stuff too. Now that it's digital, huh. so the new dark scenes are actually a lot darker. Hmm. Or like back in our day when they would shoot day for night or whatever, where it's like, oh yeah, it was full blazing day, but we had you know. a filter that made it look a little like, because you know, I love when you like you're watching. Go, I can plainly see what you're doing, but the guy's banging the flashlight and going, oh, I can't see. Oh, we're supposed to use our imagination here, because I can plainly see what you're doing there, you know. But anyway, so good, not great. I was not offended by any of this gender swapping of Pinhead mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a demon, yeah, right? It could whatever. be whatever. Yeah. So it might even be worse than when it's a, a a gal, you know? Who knows? But okay. Video games. Video games. Uh, no. I've been flying around in No Man's Sky a little bit, but that's it. Oh, wow. Okay. I know we, we talked about some games earlier, but me. Oh, the Elden's Rings. Maybe they'll have some DLC soon. Oh, cool. That'll be good. And I'm kind of surprised they wouldn't have some by now. Yeah. But I guess they're still coasting off its initial ooh-la-la, you know, whatever. Okay. Anything else? You got anything for the video games? Because I don't think Heather's let you play them. No, I, I haven't played the video games. But I have some gaming news before okay. we get into our topic. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So first of all, game hole controversy. Dun, dun, dun. So anyway, on a goof, I was on Facebook, and one of our uh, buddies said to us, he was like, hey, y'all, I'm going to Game Hole Con. Will you be there? And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to be there, especially not after what happened. And I said it like that. Well, I was just being goofy, you know. <gasps> but I said, let's wait and see. Tick tock. Let's count down. How long before somebody sends me a private Facebook message going, what happened? Tell me about it, whatever. And yeah, I had like two different people go, so what happened at Game Hole? And I was like, man, I'm just screwing around. But I love how people were quick. And like one even be like, they let in with like, I hate those guys. Let me tell you what they did to me or whatever. And I went, wow. really? And so, and, and that was unsolicited. They just, and then they said, so tell me what they did to you. And I went, oh, they didn't do anything to me. Oops. But thanks for giving me dishing your dirt to me. <laughs> Yeah, th- thanks for sharing your dirt there. But anyway, and then um, let me see. Is that it for Game Hole? Yeah, that's it for Game Hole. So let me throw out there that we actually got to go to the Game Hole and Alex, the guy that's no, behind Alex is it. great. Fantastic. Super nice, great we con. love those guys. Yeah, no, there was, there's no ill will. I, that was not any way to disparage them. Somebody had a bad experience, that's on them, you know, whatever. And um, I don't even know the stories, but yeah. you can always have a bad time wherever you go. So I, yeah. I don't know if it was one of those things like our famous, hey, I got the uh, salad with chicken in it, and the chicken was raw. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kids is coming out with a line of miniatures based on the 1977 Monster Manual. The images I've seen so far are quite promising. So, you know, the the the, the look of the monsters in that the Monster Manual the, was, had, were really interesting or unique. So you're going to be giving Watsy some more money. No, not at all. But that no, this is Wiz Kids. So they don't have to go through the license or whatever when you buy those Wiz Kid figures. You're not. I'm sure they probably did. So mm-hmm. yeah. But anyway, so I probably shouldn't promote them. But anyway, I just thought. Ah, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I um, ran some fifth edition for the game store the other day. So I mean, there you go. We're, this we're, is one of those pick your battles sort of right. things. Um, 
Real quick, good old Goodman Games has an adventure just for the road crew. Now say what you will, because today we had an interesting conversation back and forth. We love Goodman. We love Goodman Games. We love DCC. And again, this is something that they, if wouldn't you think if you're going to publish an adventure, you'd want to make it available to everybody you could and maximize your profits. Say what you will. See, Goodman Games isn't all about the money in that they made an adventure that's only available as a thank you to the road crew. And so if you listeners are road crewers, there's a free mod. You can go get the PDF right now, or you'll have to wait a few months for the printed version. But yeah, by all means, thank you, Joe. That's very thoughtful. And then in other Goodman Games news, right now you can get seven horror adventures. They have their horror line for one low price at the Bundle of Holding site. Bundle of Holding. Creep, Scrag, Creep, Shadow Under Devil's Reef, The Corpse That Love Built, It Consumes, The mm. Web of All Torment, and The Sinister Sutures of the Simstress. And they served Brandolin Red. Uh, are all a part of this special deal for only $9.95. That's insane. Get that Halloween spirit. Get the horror modules. And even if you don't run DCC, these are brilliant, great adventures. They're easily converted into other old school systems. Or Have you heard much about any of them other than It Consumes? Yeah, because you know everybody talks about that because it's kind of like the movie The Stuff. And I've owned it and I've read it. It's pretty creepy. But no, I've... Skip I, Skaggs and Scalloways. Uh, Jason said that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and they serve Brandolin Red's a good one. I've heard a lot of good buzz I about that ran one. that one. Um, I've heard some good things about Creep Shadow, uh, uh, Creep Scrag Creep from uh, Jason, I think, said some good things about it or somebody. That's what I just now, said. the Shadow Under Devil's Reef... Um, that one, eh, I don't know. Your mileage may vary. Um, the Corpse That Love Built, that's kind of a Frankenstein, but a Frankenstein thing. But the, it looks cool. The artwork looks cool. And it sounds like a, a, a cool theme. I never played it or heard much about it. Do you get to close the doors with the bride? Do they take you upstairs and close the doors and that's the end of the scene? Probably. Um, but yeah, the Sinister it's Sutures a romance. of the Simstress. I've uh, uh, that one I own and I've read it. It's been a while. And I remember it seemed when I read it, I enjoyed it. I have I got a chance to run it. I can't tell you that. No, check it out. Check it out. Check it out, man. All right. What else you got? That's pretty much it for gaming news. All right. We got to race the clock now because okay. Matt's not allowed to be in my house. I know. So here we go. Point crawls and hex crawls. When the game was invented, the game and sold in a tiny wood grain box, they told us a. You mean D and D? Yeah. A required supplement was an Avalon Hill game called Outdoor Survival. This was a wilderness survival game that consisted of a hexagonal map system that players would travel around trying to find their way back to civilization, all the while trying not to die of thirst or hunger or get eaten by bears. This game map was used as the very first wilderness hex crawl for what would become D&D. Later, Judges Guild took this concept to a whole new level with their Wilderland series. For many years, hex crawling was just the way the game was played. Um, so a hex crawl is blind wandering, so to speak. Hexes represent abstract distance, usually making each hex about 24 miles in length, one day march by foot. Therefore, one can easily see how such a group of players can travel in a week's time. Additionally, they can be used to indicate different biomes. One hex might be desert filled. The next one might be mountain region, grassland, marsh, whatever. These days, we just arrive at the dungeons. Back when, the adventure was the dungeon and the trip there. It's a dangerous world, and this highlights that. Hex crawling lets the ranger and the druid shine because it adds a survival aspect. Food, potable, uh, potable water via hunting and foraging. Um, the idea, so that's, that's hex crawls. Okay. The, the idea of point crawls grew from hex crawls, the typical way D&D has handled overland travel for the past 40 years. A point crawl. Point crawls are built from meaningful locations connected by in-world pathways. Imagine a ruined city, a necropolis with visible landmarks, for example. Point crawls offer a flexible structure for overland wilderness and city-slash-ruin-based adventures. For a point crawl, you develop interesting locations and landmarks that the characters might visit while traveling through the area. You connect these locations with in-game routes such as rivers, paths, game trails, roads, portals, mountain passes, or any other in-world pathway between two locations. Build in multiple paths, loopbacks, shortcuts, and secret paths between locations, and you've got a point crawl. Fast forward to today, we cater to players more. It's interesting in a world where everyone wants to play and hardly anyone wants to game master, players want to be harsh critics. Improvisational jamming or hex crawling gets called out as lazy, harumph. But 
Why might players dislike hex crawling? Players hate getting lost. Some despise resource management, etc. Tedium isn't fun. I get it. But how much verisimilitude do we need? Because the hex crawl point crawl kind of adds a layer of verisimilitude. But how much verisimilitude do we want? Well, how much? Well, I mean, that's, that depends on the player and the game master. And we've talked about this in other podcasts where, you know, uh, having a session zero, feeling out your players, if you've gamed long enough, like I know Eddie's not a fan at all of resource management. Where through the years, I've played with guys that literally loved resource management. And then there's the people in between that aren't in love with it or hated either Who way. loved it and why? Bobby loved resource management. And I think it was part of his job. And, but he was so good he loved at it. it as a player or a GM? As a player. So he wanted to track all oh, his rations. Rations and water, and he wanted to keep up with encumbrance and all that stuff. And if he's running, he, he enforced it. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see maybe. And I love it. You feel like he's giving me this, like, he's sour just face. a sour lemon, you know, look on his face. I could see maybe as a GM, you're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to track all this stuff. goes, wee. But as a player, I can't see wanting to. I can't see wanting the layer at all, but yeah. And I like a comment. I didn't get. I wouldn't. I don't get to watch the chat. So if you're listening to this, and you were part of the Twitch or whatever, yeah, I saw this later though. One guy said the guy that wants to take all the crap off the monsters. The guy mm-hmm. called him what a a pawn store player or pawnbroker or something. Yeah, like I like that. that. Yeah, I like that too. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that term. I'm making my a own. Skyrim player. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's all video games. I could put these five swords in my pocket, right? Right. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. But anyway. But if you like keeping up with all that stuff, and I think there is some amount of encumbrance that you should keep up with, but for the Ranger or something like that, if I'm playing where I need ammo, then trust me, I'm bringing a wheelbarrow full of ammo into the dungeon because the fighter doesn't run out of sword strokes. Mm -hmm. So why am I going to run out of arrows? Where's the fun for me? Yeah, and that's where usually talking about a good game master and things you can do. Usually, historically, I've been good about making sure. And tee if it's like a home game, not a set, like a thing like AL, you got to follow the rules. But in a home game, oh look at that! You found a magical quiver that has endless arrows. Or early on, when like old school D and D, I've got one spell per day. Oh here, your master sent you off into the world with a magic wand that's got about twenty seven charges in it. Enough that this will hold you until you level and get a few more spells. Wink, wink. So yeah, that's a good gem that'll prop those players up. Or the thing you can tell the guy playing the ranger hates keeping up with arrows. Give him the quiver. You know, whatever that has endless arrows. But if you're in the post apoc and mm-hmm. then you're like, well, you have a gun, yeah. but you've got exactly six shots. Now they're a precious resource. And that's more like tra- tracking when you have your uh, necklace of fireball, mm-hmm. where it's like you have three beads. You better make them count. Exactly. And I'm cool with that. It's just when yeah. you get to the, like my standard stuff. Yeah, because like if let's say the game, all right, you're going into a desert. Hope you'd be like, okay, I get it for a desert to make it meaningful. We also need to keep up with water and food because we're in the desert. But before we were in the woods or there were a town every couple of days or an inn or tavern that we'd we might hand wave keeping up with food and water because it's a given. We're going to replenish our water skins and we're going to buy some food or uh, I'm going to forge in the evening. We're setting up camp. I playing the ranger. I'm just going to hand wave it. But there might be the player that, oh, I want to play that up, you know, or your little one shot thing where it's like you guys all got thrown in jail you have none of your possessions get out fight your way out yeah. okay and, fine and that's, that's where, fair and equitable yeah when you go i have to pick up a stick and sharpen it all right you know i mean yeah you this is you're in that mode of play i think players are gonna be cool with that but if it's like that all the time yeah eddie's over here rolling his eyes yeah and i, I get that or know? like the spellcaster doesn't have his spell book so guess what you can't use any of your cool features for the next six months yeah that's then not, why did i play a wizard yeah and that's where, yeah, historically, it's been a thing in the game for years that if someone steals your spell book, you're screwed as a caster. But I hardly ever saw a game master do that because you've got to know that's not going to be any, any, any fun for the wizard. But another thing I'd be tell wizard, be sure you got to like say, like, I've got a backup back at my house and I really hide mine well and it's latched and got explosive ruins on it, whatever. I mean, you know, but yeah. If someone wanted to, I mean, you could have a, as a GM go up oh, a rogue. You're in town. He snuck off in your pack and stole your spell book. Uh, what, you know, yeah, you're kind of screwed, you know? So for how much verisimilitude or how much realism we need, 
there's been times when I was like, I should make this very realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if we're going to be traveling for this for like, say, this is an eight hour trip. Well, we'll just sit at the table and stare at each other for 10 minutes, not doing anything to kind of give you that small taste of it. Now, I've never done that because mm-hmm. it's a horrible idea. <laughs> Everyone would hate it. <laughs> right. I'm sitting there figuring, are you for real, bro? I was like, but I've had that, you know, yeah, you the have the thoughts and you're your like, hey, <laughs> I know we've talked about this one before, but it's like, hey, I should go ahead and put the barrel of a gun in my mouth today. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I had the idea, but I, I it sounds I like a horrible idea. Yeah. I should just go ahead and nail my foot to the floor. No, maybe I won't be doing that. No. I, so that's one of the ideas that you're like, what about? Oh, no, no, no. Immediately, no. no. But I know that like David Huffstedler, we'd always kind of did the thing where, all right, you're at the dungeon. All right, you're, you're back in town. But I remember one time where when he did the whole, oh, no, you're, we're going to play out the trip to the dungeon and back. And at first I was like, what? But I enjoyed it. But I will say I could see where some people, some players would go, what? Just give me to the damn dungeon. So the good example of that, I think, is when we were doing Keep on the Borders keep mm-hmm. on borderland mm-hmm. we played that fairly recently yeah and in the beginning i gave you guys the random encounters and it was a tough trip back and forth mm-hmm. but once you had done it a couple of times you could like, kind of see like you guys have it you, you had the fun the of it path. and now it's losing its shine because yeah, we had a lot of random encounters but eventually that started to get tedious and so we did away with like i'm gonna hand wave a number of these random encounters that i'm supposed to do well and you got to figure so here's the thing is your famous campaign that you ran for me and cody and uh, papa john and um we had some guests show up here and like caesar played once i think and Bo played once but would you call that a hex crawl or a point crawl well i think with those i'm getting to hex crawls that turn into point crawls because it's like at first to give you the flavor of the world Mm -hmm. you're going to have a bunch of encounters Mm -hmm. and then after that because to me random encounters do get tiresome yeah yep at first they're fun if you haven't done it in a while you're like Mm -hmm. wow cool random encounters and weird stuff is happening out here Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay we get it and you can kind of imagine this stuff is happening on the trip but then it becomes to where it's like, okay, now I have set encounters mm-hmm. that I want to happen along the way if I want something cool to happen. Yeah. That, when I wrote that one image, we never got to play, but it was Green Hell. We started with Bradley and his wife and, and you or whatever, but in Green Hell, it was a few fixed set encounters on certain hexes, but otherwise every time you moved, uh, like – like, okay, we're going east or whatever to that next hex. I would, some that were just blank. I had a random chart I rolled on and I had a bunch of these set encounters that were very interesting. And it's fun to make as a GM. And so the thing was, if someone came and played the next time, it would be completely different other than those few set point encounters. But those were few. Most of them were just at a table I rolled on at random. And, or if I want to, like, I really want this one encounter's fun. I'm going to make sure that one comes into play or whatever. Exactly. So that one was a real genuine hex crawl. But that's where I'm almost like, you can do an hex, a hex crawl for a session or two and Uh it's almost like playing the bad guys like these characters are going to be so evil and do this and do that yeah it's fun for a couple of nights and then you kind of go when that's like those real dungeon crawl adventures that are what am i trying to think of like the ones that are mega dungeons mega dungeons i literally somebody pointed and was like wow you've got like three or four mega dungeon big books on your shelf why have we never played those because i guarantee you within two or three sessions you'd be y'all go yeah my aunt says coming to town and i'm not gonna be able to make it next time i mean it, it just gets it gets tedious. Or I would. I'd, it'd be interesting to find there's some guy out there would go, you're wrong, man. I could show you how to make a, a, a mega dungeon fun. Maybe. But I'm That's not. I'm not that guy, I'm guessing. I, I like the mega dungeon concept. Yeah, me too, obviously. But I think you have to have easy access to get out of the dungeon. You have to be where you can have sessions outside of it. Mm-hmm. because for the one that we've been playing, it's like, okay, we're in the mega dungeon, but where's the story? Where's the plot? Exactly. And that's where I'd figure if either you've got to have an actual ecosystem and some sort of civilization that exclusively dwells in there. So there'd be that story element and those, in those interactions with the NPCs. Cause if it's a constant slog against monsters, that gets tedious. But if you could work out, like you find that one little tribe of goblins that live on the third floor, that they're actually kind of friendly and you can trade with them and they might give you an adventure or a quest. Oh, Oogla got taken by the big bear, you know, with the beak. Help us out, buddy. That might work. But, I mean, otherwise, if it's just strictly a monster slog, that's going to get tedious really quick. 
But know. again, with your session zero, it's like if you guys just want to do a dungeon crawl and kill monsters and you don't give a crap about the rest of it, there you go. Yeah. So if your group is like critical role, maybe don't go in a mega dungeon where you're like, we'll just stay here and we'll have theater time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody's group is somewhere in between that. Right. Somewhere on the and spectrum. And that's where Eddie hit the nail on the head. If I ever did the mega dungeon, I would go, all right, we'll have like so many sessions in the mega dungeon. Then there'll be the thing where you would slog your way back to that one, the, cause you're out in the middle of nowhere, but you find that one border town where it's a city where you can trade, buy some new supplies, sell off some of the stuff you found in the dungeon and then have some adventures and social interaction there. Maybe and when then, you get back to town, mm -hmm. old Joe has been kidnapped there's been a raid on the town, and mm -hmm. you're the only adventurers that there's they that know. There's one guy or gal's love interest there or whatever, and something's occurred there. And that would give you that injection of that for a session or two, and then back to the mega dungeon, you know, whatever. And old Spice school, it up. in some variety, old school D&D, you had to go back to town to level. Right. So that could be it, too, you know. It was like you go back to train with the sword master or the old edge wizard or whatever. But the trouble know? with that is I, it's a good idea, depending on how you – execute it uh -huh. but if you're like you got to go back to town to level up and guess what you've got to go kill the entire top of the dungeon again to get out and that's where Ugh. don't be that guy or but guy or if it was something yeah. relatively simple like hey if you can cast that teleport spell or you can get to the teleport circle here boom you'll be right back in town hooray for you and that's an interesting concept it could be a case of like we'll let's keep fighting a little further in this dungeon to find this floor's teleport circle that we know has been on so far on every floor that'll get us back to the surface there you go, you know, and that goes back to find that balance. What What's going to be fun for the players, you know? So anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, this is all food for thought. So I've kind of outlined what hex crawls are. Some of y'all probably already know what point crawls are. Some of you may or may not know and the difference between them. And also you can see why some players might not like them. Some might, some people might like a point crawl better than a hex crawl. But as always, we ask, what do you guys and gals think? You know, have you used them to what effect? And if you haven't, maybe it's food for thought to try them out. And speaking on that, we almost had dual topics today. Oh, my. So here's one that I'm going to plant the seed on and maybe we'll do some more work. And if you have you out there, listeners have any inputs on this. Yeah. Um, I was saying on the Twitch show that I ran the new fifth edition D&D. &D. Please forgive me for running that. <laughs> but it was in support of the game shop. So. And we love Dragon's Nest. Yeah. So I'm still supporting them by doing this. This was yeah. an in-person thing. So I had run three different groups through. Mm -hmm. The first group was fairly random people, so they straight up fought the one monster. And the encounter was odd because this is your learn to D&D, &D, but it's only one encounter. One encounter. You're on a ship. Mm -hmm. A monster comes up on the ship, and I can't think of the name now. Is it? Triton, the little merman. Little merman, yeah, I guess it's a Triton then, yeah. So it wasn't really that tough. So 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 it wasn't like a Quoto or something or nah. what are the ones, the really bad ones that ride sharks and are badasses? Um Swahogan. Nope. Yeah, so no. This so, one's almost like the sea monkey one. Yeah, the Triton is like Yeah. So it shows up and goes, Give me some money. And then what do you as players want to do? Okay, so the first group was like, we whip his monkey ass. Uh -huh. So they killed him. It was pretty easy, and it's almost like everybody line up and hit the pinata, and oh, it's the end of the round. He's dead. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Yeah. People seem to enjoy that, though. Mm -hmm. And like, I wouldn't show up for 15 minutes of D&D. &D, no. But it's not a learn to play for me. It's not Mm -hmm. built with me in design and, and who would have thought in, in the greater Kilgore Longview there were this many people that wanted to I've learn never played. never played but he had three full tables I believe so on the next table that was a bunch of friends that they had at least played the game before ah so they had the general concept and as soon as the monster shows up and goes give me some money they're like I'll seduce him <laughs> I was like, just keep in mind, this is like the mermaid thing. It's got more of a person upper body, but it's fish lower body. And they're like, I'll get in there to the cloaca. <laughs> so I noticed this didn't get mentioned on the Twitch the other right, night. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So the, you get the extra bonus on the podcast here. Bonus. Because yeah. we can say Hellraiser and instead poopy. of Heckraiser. Yeah. So that one was pretty funny. And 
I think that was the one where they had uh, seduced him and intimidated him and persuaded him and everything. And he was like, all right, I'm out of here. You guys talk me out of this. <laughs> and as he's leaving, I was like, well, technically, if you want to, you can have an op attack as he's going away because you're right next to him. And it's like, yeah. So they op attacked him. And then everybody else is like, I'm like, you can get a shot in as he's leaving. So everybody's like, yeah. And it's like, I'm leaving already. <laughs> and he's got two arrows hanging out of his ass. And he's like, I'm telling the sea queen about this. Uh Oh, so that was pretty funny. The thing with these was they were pretty funny. They were was very the lighthearted. Second one or third one where he turned on and slapped the crap out of them. I think it was that one. Just where like, it was like, hey, 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 I was leaving. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. So just so, you, just so they don't think he's a total punk, he slapped him one good time and almost killed him. And yeah. he was like, just so you know, I could kill you. I you think know. it was like he had, the character had 12 hit points and, and he slapped, slapped him, him for nine. seven or eight, nine, uh, somewhere yeah. in there. And it so. was just like, what do you think about that? Yeah. And I will say the funny thing is, all through these, when I didn't have an absolutely full table, mm-hmm. When there was like, there's going to be one character left that's not played. The one they left behind was the cleric. Of course. So that was kind of funny to me, that, too. That's such a, a, a trope for D&D, but there's something to it. But yeah. I was like, the first group fought it. Good for you. The second group talked him away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's it. If you talk this monster into going back into the water, there's no combat, no nothing. And, and Congratulations. And there's no, like, let's go get equipment first or let's go interact with somebody. No, that's that's the crux of this whole thing. That's it's the just whole thing. That encounter. And then the last group, I think, was a family group. So they knew each other and there was laughing and joking and stuff. And they talked him off of the ship, too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I, I kind of feel weird about this because this is your whole experience. Is like, I showed up. And I rolled a dice, and I talked a monster into leaving. Yeah. But everybody had fun. That's, that's, that's the key. Like I've always said, if people at the table had fun, it's it's a win. It's a win, you know. But here is something that I was thinking as a topic is DMs dealing with brand new players. Again, old GMs Crusty and old brand GMs. new players. Brand spanking new players. Because there's some of the stuff that we are old and curmudgeonly and set in our ways mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm going to play the bard, but the bard is going to seduce everyone he meets. You're like, okay, new player. I get it. This is the first time you're like, this is the most original idea ever. And it's yeah, like, like, this no. is the one millionth the oldest time chestnut around and I yeah. am sick of it, Yeah, but I'm going to let you do it because you're a new player you're and you to need it. to get that experience. Well, and that's like back talking about Eddie's uh, famous hex crawl or whatever it was that he had a, a whole flock of new guys. And I was just sitting over here waiting for my invite. And then at one point we had a conversation. It's like, Hey, just so you know, the reason I invite you is cause I hate you. But then true. It, yeah. But no, no. But then eventually he said, dude, think about it. You are such an experienced hand at this. And you're that guy that will sarge in. You're going to come up and go, all right, sit down, shut up. Here's how we're going to do this and take control. And those guys are going to miss out on a lot of those early stumbles and bumbles and learning experiences because you're not going to touch the lever. You're not going to touch the gemstone. You're not going to trust the genie or the old to, tropes, all the, all those chestnuts and tropes. And, and, and those guys will be robbed of that experience. And I went, wow, you know, I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. And so I stepped away. And the fun part was I got to hear the stories and these guys, the good thing was you can be for sure that over time they learned and became really great role players but they did make all the stumbles and bumbles along the way which was what made the story so good and i'm lying because no as i remember they never ever they learned <laughs> they kept continuing that's to, where i was like i give up come on yeah, come on in Matt, Miles, they need someone to sarge them and go all right you know because they were just bumbling yeah it was bad it was bad but anyway so that's letting people develop their styles yeah so that's the other thing too is since they're brand new to this, they don't know how much they want to role play. Mm-hmm. If they want to be critical role and having theater in the park, or they're just like, I'm just here to kill some stuff. I want to kill beasts, take their loot. Yeah. And then one that we've talked about many times is the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You'll have to see which characters yeah. want to get that spotlight and moment and which ones just are too shy and mm-hmm. are like, why are you pointing me out? Why am I the focus tonight? I, you know, I want to be back and hanging in the shadows. I'm here to 
play some game with my friends and just quietly roll my dice and have fun. But oh gosh, don't put the put me on the hot seat. Heaven forbid. And yeah, you don't realize sometimes there's people that yeah, you'd figure oh, of course they'll love being in the spotlight. No, no, they don't. So if you guys have some input to that, that might become a full topic down the road. Is just old game masters and older players what are dealing with the for? brand what are, new. What are things to consider? Yeah. You know, and just as the old timer. Let them make some of their mistakes. Don't, you know, go, no, 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 no. This is how we should do it. And and what would be some good tips for, like, running a game, for an old timer to run uh, games for new players or even new GMs for new players, you know? Get oh, out of your traditional mindset. Interesting little bit. Uh, you know, uh, Ainsley, uh, Waylon and Yarnell's daughter, She's going to school in, in college in Texas. The other day I, I saw her and she was telling me that she is running Strahd. What was the, what the Ravenloft? Yeah, Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd for a bunch of players at her college. She's their, their game mistress. And so that's I was like, awesome. that's cool. It's, I feel like we've kind you of. You can take some of that blame. Yeah, we've, we've passed the torch. I mean, that's kind of cool. So I just, that's just awesome. And now are they all playing virtually? I no, I think they actually they're face playing at the college. Face so see face. kids like that too. Yeah, heck yeah. But I mean, like someone that said the other night on the Twitch, if there's somebody that can't make it, it is nice when that one person can remote in or whatever. But as long as it probably wasn't all the time. But people move off, and and it's nice. You'd be oh, we're gonna miss Fred when he moves off to his new job. Well, maybe he can keep playing virtually. But I'm kind of like that. Just frees up a seat at the table and let Jim find a new group in Seattle or Spokane or wherever he's at. You know. Or maybe try to get together every now and again. Like a, my old buddy Ross, he had some friends who would come into town once every few months and they'd get a game together, you know, or however often it was. Well, did you see the clock on the wall? Oh, my gosh. You know what this means? We're all out of hit points. Oh, yeah. How'd you be? Ah.